Hi, I'm Malcolm Nichols. And I'm Richard Ayling. And this is Man Reimagined, a podcast where we, as men, attempt to reimagine ourselves in the 21st century. How can we respond to the big questions that we're facing, both within ourselves and within society, and make sense of this ever-changing world? We don't have all the answers, but we do want to create a conversation. So join us moving forward as a man reimagined. All right, welcome back everybody to another episode of Man Reimagined. This um, this week we've got a bit of a special episode and it's paying homage to dads. So uh, about a week and a half ago, over in, in a number of different countries around the world, it was Father's Day and it inspired both Richard and myself to to want to have a conversation with dads and to get a sense of what, you know, what, what's it like to be a, a dad in the modern world in the 2020s? You know, what are the things that we have to face? What's, how has it changed over the years? And to, in order to do that, what we've done is we've got two wonderful men who have joined us, who, who have joined us and who are both in very different stages of parenthood. Um, and they're also in very different areas in the world. We've got Adam, who is uh, joining us from Bali, and we have um, a good mate of mine, Trav, who's up in the up in um, Waiheke Island over in Auckland. And then, of course, we've got my good friend Richard Ailing, who is tucked away over in Portugal somewhere. So, gentlemen, what I'm going to do is is hand the, uh, hand the mic over to each of you just to, just to introduce yourself a little bit so that the listeners can get a sense of who you are and um, who you are, where you are, and, and a little bit about um, your children and, and where you are in life with that. So, Adam, do you want to get the ball rolling? Yes, love to, Mile. Thank you for the intro. Um, all right, gents. So my name is Adam, uh, originally from UK, mixed race background. I have traveled the world since 2005 as a professional performance artist and yoga and meditation teacher. I've been with my wife now for 11 years and my son Jonah is just coming up to two. He'll be two in about two weeks. Uh, he was born in Canada and as soon as he was born, we decided that, you know, Bali was a fantastic place to raise children just because we'd lived here before and and that's our journey at the moment i mean it's it's all kind of fresh settling into being a dad now but yeah it's been an interesting um initiation into fatherhood especially with everything that's been going on uh you know in the last 18 months in the world so yeah so that's where i'm at at the moment awesome thanks adam nice work and uh trev do you like to say good day to everybody Hi everyone and thank you Malcolm, Richard and nice to meet you Adam. Um, so I'm Travis and I'm on Waiheke Island off Auckland in New Zealand. I'm 52 years old, uh, been married for 29-ish years um, and I have a daughter who's 23, Isabella, and a son George who is 20. Um, and I'm also relevant to this conversation. I'm chairman of a charity in New Zealand for boys who don't have dads present. It's called Big Buddy. And last week we matched our thousandth uh, Big Buddy with a young boy um, who, who doesn't have a dad present. So 
um, yeah, wonderful to be part of this conversation. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks, Trav. And I'm glad you brought in um, the big buddy in the introduction because I think that's a really, it's going to be a really important and insightful part to this piece. And of course, I forgot to mention that in this introduction that I'm a dad as well. And uh, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a father to a, a six-year-old, well, a nearly six-year-old daughter. She's, she's turning um, six next month. And boy, oh boy, has that been a journey. And um, I've got plenty to share about my experience of raising a, uh, a nearly six-year-old girl. And, and then, of course, you know, we, don't, we can't forget our, our friend Rich, who's on this call too, who is childless. And, um, <laughs> but actually, one of, the, one of the great things is Rich is going to represent all those, all those men out there who, have, who haven't got kids and I'm sure who have got a shit ton of questions about, um, about, about fatherhood and what, what are the things, what, what, are, what's the, what are the good things about it and what are the things that um, make you really want to punch the wall and think, why the fuck did I do this? <clears throat> but um, so I think what, what I'm really keen to do is, is just to, to get started. But and Trav, I'm quite keen, you know, because you've, you've, as you've just said in your introduction, you've got uh, adult kids. So I'm really curious to know, you know, how, you know, just in a broad sense, you know, how, how's the journey been for you, you know, bringing up your kids and what, what's, what's, been the, what's been the greatest experience about it all? Uh, big questions. Um, firstly, yeah, um, mate, you got to start with the big questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's the most um, challenging and most rewarding experience I've had in my life being a father. It's um, it's heartbreaking and elating and joyous all in one. Um, you know, I would consider my. <laughs> I'm chairman of a charity that's sort of in the area of fathering and um, and I have no idea what it means to be a father. <laughs> it's 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 really on the job training. Um, it it um, you know you only learn as you go um, and I've learned plenty. Um, greatest thing for me right now with with adult children is, you know, within the last week, both of them have booked weekends away with me. Um, my daughter to go walking um, down in the mountains and in the snow and to go and drink some wine together. And my son to watch, go and watch him play in a sports tournament out in, a, in another city in Wellington and to drink beer with him at night. So, um, yeah, I, I've got the joy of, um, of them being my alongside me right now they're, they're not my friends but they're jolly good friends and i can still parent them which is an incredible privilege yeah mm. yeah mate i mean i, I guess to hearing that i i the, the the next question that kind of jumped into my head as you were talking was i mean when you reflect back so you know i mean i know you and i i know the kind of man you are um and and it's not surprising to me at all that you've got the kind of relationship with your kids that you have right now. Um, but I'm curious to know what, what was probably the, the period that you found the most challenging, do you reckon, bringing up your, bringing up your kids? And also I'm curious to know if it was different between a girl and a boy and, and what that experience was. 
Um, the most challenging time is is when kids are teenagers. You you hear it again and again, and um, you, you know the, the the hormones that are going through their body, bodies to change them physically from child to adult um, creates massive behavioural challenges. And um, yeah, that, that's incredible, and certainly very different um, between boys and girls. Um, what I, what I would say through all of this is, as a dad, kid learn, kids learn from who you are, not what you tell them. So, so to be a good dad, um, take a look at yourself as a man. Um, so, so they will. You know, it doesn't matter what you say; it's what they see. So. Um, you know, I've been, always been conscious of how I, how respectful and loving I am to um, their mother, um, how respectful and caring I am in general towards other people. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd say, yeah, sorry, I, I got off the what's the hardest bit there for a minute. But for no, me, man, being, that was, that was yeah. the best piece of gold. That was so yeah. good. Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, take that journey of being a man and I guess I've been fortunate through um through my 23 year old fatherhood journey that for about 13 years of that I've been sitting in a men's group most weeks and so um while I'm clumsily um fathering along I get to take some of those experiences to other men and learn from them and and I also get to be of solace from dads with younger children or who are men who are becoming dads to to talk about what to expect and that you know some of that behavior that you think is horrendous is actually just normal um you know with where they're at so yeah a couple of things there for, for, for me um being a father is who you are, not not what you say, um, and really build a community or a village of other men. Um, it saddened me. I was in a pub with a couple of mates, and one of them was a bit stressed, and we finally got to the point where his his daughter had an eating disorder, and for about half an hour, we got really vulnerable, sharing some of our kids' mental health challenges and ups and downs, and. Yeah, we shouldn't be doing that alone as dads. We should um, we should connect with other dads and share. Um, yeah, fire away, Mel. Mm, thanks, thanks, Trav. That was um, it, it was what you just shared there was so rich. I'm I'm just thinking, you know, and just the the content of of that. I think in those two little points, it's almost like. Um, what I'm feeling now is a dad <clears throat> listening to what you just spoke. If I, it's almost like if I just took away those two little things of, of recognizing that it's, that it's how I'm acting is, is the big thing that they're watching. And also this connecting into, into men's circles. I mean, yeah, I couldn't agree with you. It's just gold, gold. I mean, Adam, you know, you, you're listening to, to Trav and you're, you're new on the, on this fatherhood journey. You know, what, what, what struck you about what Trav just said, and also, you know, what are you, what, what thoughts is it bringing up for you? Yeah, thanks for that share, Trav. Um, the main thing that comes up for me is I'm just terrified of Jonah <laughs> of becoming a teenager. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. That was the um, the biggest reflection 
that I that I had with Jonah is he he doesn't respond to anything that I'm telling him. It, it is really how I'm behaving, and also you know how I behave towards myself as well, like how I feel. And I've noticed you know because he's just coming into vocabulary now. He's just starting to talk and and really communicate. But before before that, I I really had to just be present with him. I think that's the biggest thing that came up for me when I was listening to to Trav speak is the more present I am with my son, you know, because we, we've had this, you know, first two years where communication is, you know, basic and I feel it when I'm completely present and I drop into the space with Jonah, he's instantly calm and at ease and, and we're able to connect. It's not when I'm trying to get him to do things or control him or tell him not to punch kids or tell him not to you know, throw, throw the phone or the TV remote. It's really just trying to drop into where he is because I, in the beginning, I was really coming at parenting with this almost like a controlling dominating mindset. And yeah, I've just, I've just realized it's just about dropping into where he is. So that, that's what just came up when I was listening to, to that. Mm, yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Adam. Uh, I'm I'm curious. So I mean, you talked about being a mixed mixed race um, human being, and I mean, so I'm curious. I mean, as a how do you think? I mean, what well when you were growing up and your influences because of your mixed race background? I mean, what 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 do you feel your personal influences around parenting are? And do, you know, I mean, is it where are they coming from? And I mean, are you forging your own um, <clears throat> or are you learning yeah, or is it from your parents? And if so, you know, what, uh, how are the influences for you that might be different, say to, you know, the bog standard on a bog standard white Kiwi, you know, is it any, I'm just curious. Yeah. Great question. Um, so, my, my dad is from Egypt and he moved over to, to Wales to be with my mum, but they had a turbulent time because for him trying to adjust into British culture, it just didn't really happen. So I grew up as um, a fatherless child. So my dad left the scene when um, I was six. And I, reala I realized very quickly when I had Jonah, it was like nothing could prepare me for becoming a dad. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm doing loads of yoga, meditation. I'm a very chilled out guy. I've got, you know, it together. And then my son popped into the picture. And I, I remember, you know, we had a really long birth. And I remember them being in the midwife and clinic. And this is like 40 hours of labor. And my wife is just out on the bed, couldn't do anything. And I had to change the, his nappy for the first time. Never changed the nappy before. Covered in poop. I've got the midwife here. I've got my wife lying in bed and we're exhausted. You know, I haven't slept for those, you know, that full 40 hours as well. My arms are tired from just squeezing at pressure points and you're know, just all of the, the labor side of it. And I remember doing it so tentatively and I wasn't, wasn't engaged. And I realized in that moment, I was like, I have no fucking idea what I'm doing. And it wasn't just changing a nappy. It was like the whole thing of having this being in my presence who I thought, oh, it's going to be easy. And we're going to have this amazing connection. And I was like, I have no idea who my son is. It's like another being that's come in that I have to get to know. And in the last two years, there's just, you know, I, I have, um, because I've moved so much and traveled so much, I, I never really feel like I'm from anywhere because my parents were mixed race. So I never really felt 
like I was Welsh, even though my mum was Welsh, my dad was Egyptian. So I never really felt like Wales is my place I grew up, but I never really felt home anywhere. And because of traveling so much, um, me and my wife is also uh, French Algerian. We're raising our child in a very different way. And my wife's dad left the scene as well. So we are figuring out parenting as we go along. And, you know, we're reading the books where we've done courses in conscious parenting because, you know, we realized that there's a lot of, we just, you're not taught this stuff ever. And it was a real shock for us. And um, we see parenting kind of like um, art, you know, it's, it's a creation and you're actually learning, like you said, Trav, in, in the moment through the experiences because you can't prepare for a lot of it. It just comes up and it's like, okay, fuck, how do I, how do I um, get out of my reactive mode that's been handed down for me through how I was parented and just drop into a, a ability to respond to what's happening in this situation and not, not put emotion into just something that he's doing that he has no idea is wrong or dangerous, you know? Yeah. So learn, learning as we go along, to be honest with you. But seem, seems to be smoothening out. At the moment, we seem to have a, a, good, a good level. And yeah, it seems to, be, uh, seems to be working, whatever we're doing. <laughs> That's great. Hey, Rich, Rich, you're listening away to all of this. I'm curious to know what's, uh, what's running through your head as, as, as these wonderful men are speaking. Hi. There's a mixture of uh, excitement and terror like exactly the same time like i <laughs> i'm getting thumbs up from trav <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. which sounds about uh, realistic for the experience waves of um i'm really looking forward to having kids it's something that i i, I deeply want and i have a couple of questions and, and they're pretty big ones but I'll, I'll throw the first one out to all three of you and as we've talked on this podcast number of times, the roles of men uh, have changed quite a lot. The expectations of men have changed quite a lot. And my sense is that what it is to be a father has, has changed profoundly in the last century. You're all, all three of you have kids at very different ages. And so you've been going through this experience at different times during uh, shifts in culture, no doubt. So my question is really like, what is the difference between your approach uh, to being a parent versus being a father, right? Like parenting is one thing, being a father is, is something else, or is it? So what comes up for you as I ask you that question? Cause that's, um, that's, that's burning on my mind. Um, Travis here. So beautiful question, um, parenting versus father. Um, also, you, you touched on something that I was thinking about prior to this conversation, and that is, you know, looking at you guys, you are you are far younger and and handsomer than I am. I'm I'm older than you, um, so my my dad's in his eighties, and I think you know his generation, he was expected to be a provider, and that was his role as a father. And I feel incredibly, incredibly privileged that um, the expectation for me as a father was to be a loving parent, a loving father, um, and and engaged and um, involved. And yeah, I feel very privileged that my um, my era is is different to my dad's. Um, 
then then rich you asked about the difference between i guess parenting and fathering or how, how they might might change um so i kind of feel that for my, my daughter's the oldest she's 23 and being a father for her means i'm setting her expectations of what a man is in the world um, be it that she decides to be in a relationship with a man or, or not or just her engagement with men in the future um, her expectations are set by me um, and you know we have a, such a beautiful loving respectful relationship you know early on I, I thought that you know she was a teacher to me um, and and me a teacher to her so um yeah she has very high expectations as as boyfriends have found out <laughs> and I'm really pleased for that you know, she, <laughs> you know, she has she has a massive amount of self-respect and um yeah while trying to be humble I think some of that's come from the the modeling that I've done about um, my love and respect for her mum, uh, my love and respect for her. Um, my son, um, you know, boys um, catch maleness by osmosis. Um, so they rub up against men, um, you know, yeah, actually physically, you know, at, at um Adam you're probably having beautiful rough and tumble with your son right now and I think that that should go right well into his teenage years that sort of physicality um so but boys learn maleness from the presence of men and watching and learning and so fathering for a son for me feels yeah I, I guess it's yeah it's it's modeling um yeah yeah I, I i'm not sure I, and i just wanted to say richard too that when um <laughs> when dads talk about fathering it's it's really easy to explain the hard and terrifying stuff words cannot explain the love and joy and emotion of becoming a father and and your child running to you with open arms. Um, so, so it's easy to explain all of that. All of that. Oh my God! Shitty nappies, raging teenagers, um, throwing toys, two-year-old tantrums. Um, that's easily explained. Don't. But what can't be explained is the the pureness of love and to love something so much more than you've ever loved it before. Um, you know, ahead of your own well-being, it's yeah, unexplainable. Yeah, I've waffled a bit there. <laughs> no, mate, I um, I'm really grateful for everything you shared, and especially that piece at the end that um, I brought a tear to my eye. There's <laughs> that 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 connection that um, I desire to experience uh, with anyone that I meet that I want to see more of in men. You've, you've just brought out, and and I think any man can relate to that, or any father can relate to that piece that you've just said. I would hope anyone that has a healthy relationship to their kids. So that was beautiful. Um, I want to hear from Adam, but Mal, you had your hand up as well. So uh, 
And you're also a father who has an opinion, so I'd love to hear it. <laughs> uh, well, I was, I was just going to jump in because I haven't really talked much about, um, not not in this podcast anyway, about my about my experience. So you know, having a a nearly six year old daughter, and <clears throat> um, you know, when you were you were talking about that rough and tumbleness, Trav, you know, one of the one of the things that that I've kind of um, with with my daughter is right from a young age i've really want you know i've really wanted and encouraged that it's a it's i guess it's it's like um you know i've wanted yeah i've wanted i've wanted to be able to um have for, for me connecting the joy of connecting so much with my daughter is a, is a really physical thing and um and so um and that so that involves the play often involves a lot of quite physical play and and one of the interesting you know it, it, it's not necessarily an intentional dynamic but between me and my wife you know we've got this quite um you know it, 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 there is i guess this quite kind of male female role of me being really quite quite physical with with my daughter and, and she even does a much more of the um that nurture the, the the kind of more more you know girly stuff if you like if I can use use that because my daughter is also an incredible girl at the same time like she loves dresses and everything else but she loves to be loves to be manhandled and thrown around <clears throat> um, but I did, so that that was just a, a response to to something Tra, Trav said that jumped out at me but one of the, one of the things I just felt like sharing was was and, and trav kind of got into it was was about that um those moments you know those those are moments that happen um that just turn parenting from from something we do to something that um that changes us that in that um kind of it's like it it goes into into the soul a little bit and um because I, I, you know, I'm going to be, uh, you know, I'm very honest. I, I'm, I'm a slightly reluctant dad. You know, I, I've, there's, there's a big history to me becoming a father and getting there eventually. You know, when I got there after two marriages and years of trying to have kids with my first marriage and, and everything, um, when I actually got to fatherhood, by the time I got there, I was, I was quite, I was actually quite reluctant about it and have been in many ways over, a period of over a period of six years um, with my daughter but but even in being a reluctant being a reluctant dad there's something about that um those those moments that I, when like i when i'm sitting on the couch reading my daughter a book and she just drapes her arm over my leg and just kind of leans into me right and i can just feel her body up against mine as we're we're just the two of us are in this little connection and it's um and it is such an amazing experience and and the, and 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 where i was going with this is like trav said just before i think that i am eternally grateful that we live in an age where men it's it's not it's not even that it's it's an unusual thing it's kind of expect almost expected of men to be able to be that kind of a dad now and I am so, so grateful for that because I can't imagine 
you know, as somebody who was a reluctant, who, who was a little bit reluctant to begin with, if I had been this kind of breadwinner, I would have been so disconnected from my daughter. Um, so it's my daughter who has brought me into being a parent. It's amazing. They, they just kind of, they're like this, like this sucker. She's just sucked me into, into, um, into um, kind of loving her and being with her. So, you know, Rich, that was, I just wanted to jump in and share that. You can now pa pass the ball over to Adam. Hey, Rich, that's a um, great question. So, yeah, to be a, what it is to be a father for me is to really be a role model, you know, of a dad and to be the best dad that I can for Jonah. Also to be the best husband that I can be. And also just to be the best human being I, I can be as well, because I know that he's just watching every interaction, everything I do. And then I feel like the way that I'm parenting him is being engaged and, and obviously giving him as much love and support as I can, but also with a deep understanding that I actually don't know the world that he's going to grow up in because that was a big um, blockage for me was like the, the peers and my parents and, you know, my grandparent, my grandfather helped, you know, raise me and my brother. It was like, you know, the old school um, preparing you for the world. And what I realized in my own development was I was being prepared for a world that they didn't know. And I feel like my son is growing up. Like we know that the world is changing so rapidly at the moment. I cannot comprehend what his future is going to be like how his brain's gonna develop in this, this new world. So um, yeah, that's how I'm parenting him, you know, just getting him to be a, a leader from this like emerging future that's just happening right in front of us right now. Trav, you had your hand up. I think you wanted to throw something else in there. Please go for it. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, um, <laughs> I've just come off a men's weekend, which is interesting. Um, and um, there's um, there's an Iron John um, myth book, and there's a there's there's a moment in it, and I think it's common amongst a number of, of sort of indigenous um, myths and legends and stories. Is a man doesn't become a mature man until he cares for a child. Now that that doesn't necessarily mean. Um, becoming a father you know that's the obvious way but you know with, with something we've learned with with big buddy is you know we had we were doing some research recently and and we were interviewing some men who had become mentors for boys without dads and one of these men cried when he said i thought that i was doing this to be there for a boy but what it's given me as a man is so much more than what you could possibly imagine. Um, and another man told us that he'd, he'd sold his business because to become a school teacher because he thought, if I can make this much of an impact in a boy's, one boy's life, what could I do if I was a school teacher present for many young boys? So he sold his business to become a school teacher. That's... Um, it's amazing. So it kind of just reminds me of that saying that you know, a man's never, never taller than when he stoops to raise a child. Um, and, you know, as you were talking to, you know, like I'm, I'm incredibly happily 
married and intend to be forever. But if I was, if, if for some reason um, my wife passed or something, I don't think I could be with a woman who wasn't a mother. Um, that that transformation for both men and women to become uh, to to love something greater than yourself, um, to become a nurturer, um, is is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, you know that that last bit, Trav. Um, you know, one of the things that's brought up, one of the gifts I think that I've got from parenting, which has been a um, a bit of a surprise, is actually a lot more empathy for the for the world around me. It's it's I think the the act of having a daughter is 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 awoken an, an emotional. Um, the emotional felt sense inside me that allowed me to actually connect more deeply into the world. And, and, it, and it's a little bit like, um, um, it allow, I mean, it, in some ways it allowed me to access kind of that, that feminine nurturing energy a little bit more that I'm allowed, that allows that I can now actually put out in other parts of the world. It's like, I noticed my work in, in my work when I'm working with people like there were it, it's it's definitely changed and evolved as a consequence of parenting from uh, into a more um uh compassionate but global view like i feel i feel as if i'm i've able to tap into a different level of understanding just to, just around human human development and connection and 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 that that has been a gift and and it's often um you know, I often do wonder from a from a big global perspective. It's like almost I've often almost thought that Parliament needs to have children in it just to bloody make sure that human like us adults realise that what we're doing is for is for children and and children because they're just such ground great grounding tools for 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 us. So I can be caught in my biggest biggest personal life drama, and and my daughter comes up and and she sees me and all she wants to be tickled and. I mean, fuck, the drama doesn't exist anymore, does it? <laughs> um, yeah, so it's um, the, 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 gift of, the gift of parenthood or, or the gift of generational, the, the gift of, um, I think, Trav, you know, and I'd like to hear a bit more about your big buddy experience, but this gift of crossing generations and being involved in the younger generation has been, been priceless for me. Do you want to take the ball there, Trev? Thanks, Mel. Um, one of the things I've been feeling into recently with Big Buddy is that um, we're at a time where men are rightfully being um, called to account for um, you know, patriarchy, sexism, privilege, etc. And um, and with Big buddy, this is um, caregivers, normally mums, sometimes grandmothers. They're, they're saying, here's my most precious thing, my son or this little boy who doesn't have a dad around. We want a good man to show up. So as a man in this time when um, I'm taking a look at myself as to my, you know, my power, privilege, um, etc., 
I feel really affirmed by a woman saying, we want you in our boys' lives. Um, our boys need um, to learn maleness from males. Um, you know, they're, 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 they're wonderful, caring mums and caregivers, but I, they want us. They want us to show up. They value men. They value male role models. So that's the first thing about Big Buddy is I, I think it really affirms to me that women want us to show up. Um, you know, and in that sense, a, a charity like Big Buddy, whilst it's beautiful, should not exist um, because men should be taking responsibility for the children they father. Um, if they've passed, then us as men should be looking for the boys in our villages, be they our nephews, be they the boys down the street, be they the boys in the community and the sports team who don't have dads around, and we should be stepping up. Um, we're doing that with Big Buddy, which is beautiful, but for me, it's still um, a reflection of us not living in the community the way we should be. Um, so, yeah, that I, uh, Big Buddy's it, it's simple, it's beautiful. Um, like I said, we've matched a thousand men. Most of our work is done in the matching process, the um, checking that men are ready. You know, they're not going to head off overseas and rewound the boy by them. them you know, losing another caring man, um, that they're really psychologically, that they're, they're, they're safe in a number of different ways, psychologically, sexually, et cetera, and that the matches are um, are well matched with, with interests, locations, et cetera. Then we really let nature take its course. Um, you know, boys are drawn to us, particularly that seven to 14 year old age. And we as men um, are, are drawn to them. So, um, so th that's beautiful. Um, if we don't show up, um, you only need to look at most country statistics to see that um, the negative social statistics around crime, uh, mental illness, self-harm, addiction, there's a the, the most significant factor for for boys is an absent father in all of that or an absent strong male, good male role model so um yeah that's a bit about big buddy it was a little bit technical but um yeah awesome thanks uh thanks trav adam so you got your hand up do you want to have a yeah um so firstly travis thank you for all of the work that you do that's um <clears throat> so powerful because i like I said at the beginning, you know, I, I grew up without my my father being there, and my mum was amazing. Like she, you know, she's an amazing woman, raising me and my brother, and she put us into all of the sports that she could, and team sports really helped me to a certain point. But, you know, without without a solid role model and someone to watch out for me, I ended up creating my own ro role models, and I was in a time where I was, you know, kind of listening to gangster rap and. Uh, playing basketball and made friends with, you know, a, they're not bad people, but I, I definitely went the wrong side of the law and, you know, addiction was there, drugs was there, um, crime was there. And I, I feel it now in the world now, now, especially there seems to be like an epidemic of, of boys without dads, you know, it seems to just be almost like the norm. It's rare that I see couples staying together and, 
I'm, I'm just very, very touched about your project. Like it just sounds incredible. Um, I'm, what I'm wondering is because we live in a society and like you said, if we're living in, a, in that village community spirit, people just step up and, you know, act as the, um, the role model for the child. But I, I just see it with, you know, so much technology and social media and everyone focusing so much on themselves and self image. I feel like that community spirit um, is being lost slightly. Um, and I, and I feel like that, that is where we're kind of struggling to, to give young boys good role models because when I, even when I think now, I, I can't think of many good male role models, whether that be in, you know, pop music or movies, you know, the typical man that I remember watching was like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Rocky movies, it's this, you know, super alpha male who never cries, who's just invincible all the time. And, you know, I don't even know what kids are looking at as their role models in, in kind of like the social media, uh, you know, world at the moment, because kids, this is the new world that kids are growing up in. I mean, they're, they're attached to social media and, and technology. Um, yeah, so I don't know what your thoughts are on that, guys. Yeah, um, Travis here. Um, Adam, you're so right. Um, yeah, it's uh, Adam, Richard, Malcolm, it's, uh, and myself. It's our responsibility as men to, to model what it is to be um, healthy, you know, a healthy male. What is, what is loving, caring, accountable, responsible, serving masculinity? Um, it's, and I guess, you know, this is a fatherhood post podcast. That is the role of being a father is to model that um, loving, caring, of service, responsible. Um, the, the only real, um, you know, strong part in all of that for me or, or moments of you know, when you talk of Arnie or Alpha, it's, it's the only time that that should ever come out for me is in service of or in protection of, um, you know, those I love, the environment, you know, what, wherever it is I serve, that's where that, that strength should come. Um, so, yeah, I guess, yeah, that's, that's what this podcast is all about, is fatherhood is modelling um, healthy, beautiful masculinity. Um, and... Um, and not just for the for the boys that we spoke about too, because the the number one statistic for female teenage pregnancy is um, young girls who fall pregnant. Um, the number one statistic is they don't have a dad present. So why do you think that they're becoming present? Because they're seeking um, real connection with the masculine. They haven't had that father to model the the healthy, respectful, caring. And so they've gone out searching for it and found it in perhaps the wrong way. I don't know if I said anything wrong there, but. I <laughs> think <laughs> okay, it was beautifully said. Rich, I'm curious to know what you're thinking. This really landed with me and, and I saw Denzel Washington uh, say uh, on a number of occasions how he thinks that's a huge problem as well, um, especially for young black men. So this isn't about race, but it seems like it's a human problem, but he really was highlighting the same point in, in the absent father. Um, what strikes me is that you can be an absent father, even though you're present, even though you're in the same house. And 
without that role model growing up, how on earth, you know, do you know how to be a healthy masculine role model? And so you've talked about the, how we can show up as men and what that healthy masculinity looks like. And, and I'm curious, and this is an invitation, right? There might be some resistance here and I understand why from a lot of the men that I spoke to recently that this fear of not being a good father came up a lot, right? And so this question might kind of make you not want to go here, but it might help me and other people who aren't fathers uh, yet learn. What are some of the moments that you've, that you most regret in bringing up your son or daughter? What are some of the moments, even, you know, as Adam, he's, you know, Jonah's only two, but what's the, the great, what's the moment where you thought, ah, damn it. Like, I wish I'd done that differently. You know I mean? There's what, what shows up over time for all three of you in, in the moments that you thought, no, that, that wasn't a great example. I, I wish I'd done that differently. I, I, uh, I regret that. Mal, hit me. Yeah, I'm going to speak to this one. Because <clears throat> it, the, the thing that I that my, that I, I I never realised I, I I probably was slightly aware I was doing it, but <clears throat> Evelyn, Evie, my wife pulled pulled me up on it once. She's, it was when I was um, <clears throat> if I was getting a bit angry or something with Maya, it was. It was like I, I would stand over her, you know. So here's this big, you know, big five foot nine adult male, and I'm, and I and I may not necessarily, yeah, massive five foot nine, right? You know, but <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and anyway, yeah, for, anyway, people who know me physically will be laugh, should be laughing at as well. So anyway, <clears throat> but I am massive compared to a five-year-old girl, right? And and so the times that I regret the most is when I when I when I find myself standing over her, and it's not even it's not the words I'm saying, it's not even the tone of my voice, it's my presence and how um, threatening that present my, my presence must be to her. Because I mean, I, I mean, God only knows I've been in situations where I've had I'm as an adult man I've had other men stand over me and being terrified right and 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 so I you know that that has been the biggest learning experience and 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 now I pretty much will always come down to my daughter's height if I've got anything to say that carries any emotion I drop down and I and I meet her as a human being and and I think you know what Trav you know, this piece that Trav has just been hammering, which is just such a beautiful thing. And Adam, actually, you've both been just saying it so beautifully about, you know, about it, it, it's it's how we show up and who we are and who we're being. Um, and that, so that's been the biggest lesson for me. And and actually, I'm really grateful. It's, it's a lesson I'm grateful for learning because I've actually carried that on now to other areas of my life. And it's actually had a huge impact in my relationships with other people because of being aware of presence and that's um because it was just so amplified with my daughter and it, and um it, it's just and all and i know too it only needs to happen a few times to leave a mark for her so um it's you know i think that's been my my biggest my biggest regret there rich who's next So yeah, Adam here. I'll go next because I've only had two years experience, so it's pretty pretty short. Um, so Rich, the the thing that I regret the most 
honestly, and it literally happened probably six weeks ago. Um, I, I completely lost it with my son and I felt rage and anger come up because he, and I, I lost it for a split second, but I, I felt like, like that inner beast come up in me, which I haven't felt for a long time. And I, I, I screamed at him for doing something that he had done repeatedly and I was exhausted and trying, I can make all the excuses in the world anyway. And when I lost it and I, I, shout, I shouted, he looked at me and he looked absolutely terrified because like, as, as Mal said, you know, I'm so much bigger than him and he, you know, I'm, I'm his, I'm his father, you know, I'm, I'm his support, his trust, his everything at the moment, he's dependent on me. And as soon as I saw that look in his eye, it, it broke my, like it, it was a piece of my heart breaking and I felt so guilty and ashamed at myself for actually losing it with him. And then I, you know, I questioned like, am I, what traumas am I going to give my child? Because I, I, I don't, I think, you know, as, as a parent, you know that you're going to kind of give your, your child some traumas in some way, shape or form. I, I feel it's inevitable. Um, and that, that's my biggest regret, honestly, is just, is just shouting. But um, it was also my biggest lesson because since then it made me really drop much more into a allowance and acceptance and, an ability not not to react like it was it was that that real catalyst for me to be like okay you, you got to chill out a little bit and and just not be so serious in in my role as who I am as a person and especially as a dad because that that bond is you know as Travis said there's there's nothing like it in the world and and when I saw that I broke that that trust for a split second in his eyes it was yeah it was really just yeah it took it took a moment for me to get over that it was it was really it was really rough so yeah, that, that was my big regret there. Thank you both. Um, and before I hand it over, Travis, I'm really keen to hear, you know, what you've got to say. You've, you've got kids that are way older, so you've got a, a plethora of experience to, to share from. But what struck me in both of what Malcolm and Adam shared is that these, um, that the mistakes that we can make as men with our kids, if I may call them that, around physicality and, and, uh, and, sort of strength if you will that's not the right word i'm looking for but the, you talked about shouting adam and how we can use this overbearing presence and 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 subdue it's exactly the same thing that a lot of women talk about and how they feel threatened by us as well so i'm just i'd really mm. love to highlight that for anyone listening that's um that's really really fucking relevant i think travis uh so yeah well i'll I'll be real here and tell you something that I'm quite ashamed about, or a couple of things. Um, first one with my daughter, I think she must have been about 18 and she worked, she was working for me. And I have about 30 or so staff. And um, I think I made some flippant comment about. Um, it's about time she had a boyfriend or, or something like that. And um, she came and saw me the next day and taught me a very stern lesson. You know, she, I'd modelled what I'd expected. Yeah, I'd modelled self-respect and she had acted with self-respect and there was me making some laddish comment about my 18 year old daughter as a young woman 
about about time she had a boyfriend and I just I felt so kind of disgusted with myself and ashamed when she called me out on it and also full of admiration as a young woman that she stepped me out about you know in her own time um so that was that was one there you go you know kids are our teachers and um you know I I disrespected her there and she certainly let me know it and it was a learning piece for me um and then uh Adam you talk about um you know what trauma have I given um my children so my my son's in that crazy phase where testosterone's rushing through his body he's about 16 years old he's just he's been totally disrespectful and abusive I forgot what the actual action was towards his mother and so I knew what I had to do and I physically picked him up forced him out of the house shut the door behind him and locked him out of the house um Malcolm knows me quite well I, I then of course went inside that now then since he went off and rang my brother and cried saying I'd traumatized my son I'd thrown him out of the house I'd physically thrown him you know off the deck and I mentioned this to my um son about a year ago because this is about four years ago and I said I remember that time that I um you know, I picked you up and I threw you out and you slammed the door and you were bashing it and da da da. And he said, "Oh no, I don't remember that." <laughs> so, so yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, I think with regards trauma, um, you know, who knows? Sometimes, sometimes it can be those subtle little things of neglect, and then other times I do something like that that I'm sure is going to traumatize my son, even though I, I. I felt it was the right thing to do um, and he doesn't even remember it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. I think, um, you know, the, the, the thing where you, that came up for me is, is it's kind of like it's, it's trust and bandwidth, isn't it? I, I'm learning, one of the things I'm learning is that as <clears throat> my daughter and I just develop this bond and this trust, there is, I'm, I, I feel there is bandwidth to make, to make mistakes, which is, <clears throat> which um, I feel is a real gift from her. Actually, like she's given she's given me the gift to be um, to be uh, mistake prone, vulnerable, and various other things. And uh, and I, and I think that's just a reflection of of a deep a deep connection that we've built up over the last few years. Trev. Just um, something with older children, um, and I've reflected on this, you know, my wife will say, my God, our son stinks. And I'm thinking, I can't smell him. Um, and I think, you know, nature creates resistance between, um, between teenagers and young adults and their parents, because without that resistance, the children would, would never have that separation. So... Um, I try and, you know, take a breath, meditate, whatever it is, and observe the relationship and think, actually, this, this um, pushing apart, this tension, this, um, be it smell, be it messiness, be it um, music, be it whatever it is that's causing um, disconnection between 
teenagers and their parents and young adults and their parents is nature at play. Otherwise, they would not leave to become adults. Um, I've often reflected on that. And now I'm fortunate that, you know, you know, my wife and I and our two adult kids are going to a concert this weekend together or we're going off doing things. Um, you know, we've, we've come back into relationship. Not that we were out, but there needed to be a natural disconnect in order for us to separate. I love that, Travis. I'm, I'm going to throw a question back at you, um, again, with respect to the age and experience, and also the, the Robert Bly book that you mentioned earlier, Iron John, um, and the work that you've done. I, I have a sense you might be able to answer this. In the past, there were very clear rituals where a man and a boy, or a father and a son, would kind of go away together and there would be some kind of um, rite of passage or some kind of, you know, boy-to-man story situation uh, and, and a healthy sort of separation between mother and, and, and son, etc. Clearly, that doesn't happen anymore. Clearly, we've lost a lot of that. Um, my belief in many ways is looking back to the past and reclaiming and, and modernizing a lot of these kind of rituals and ideas would be really, really healthy. Um, but what's your sense of that? Because by the sounds of it, you have a really healthy relationship with both of your kids and a really successful, long lasting marriage, which I really look up to and respect. And it's interesting also as a side note, Adam, you said you were married for 11 years or something. So nine years before you even had a kid. So there's something there for me, like good, fair play to both of you. But Travis, like, What's your sense of the, you know, the value of these kind of rituals and, and how could they have helped you in some way and men? Uh, Richard, yeah, I think you, you, you're, you're onto something there. And, you know, in our Western society in particular, there is no um, formalised initiation or um, acknowledgement that you are now a man. Well, what, what does that mean? It means, it means you know, you no longer do this, but you have these privileges, um, you know, and, and it's good for the father and the mother to have that. It, it's interesting that a few of the wealthiest schools in New Zealand are actually creating these um, six-month or 12-month um, boys um, go and stay in these camps in the bush at about 14 years old. So it's kind of a, um, you know, the they're calling it, you know, a development phase of a young man. But really what it is, is an ancient um, initiation process um, that should exist. We've, we've got a couple of great programs in New Zealand. One's called Tracks for Boys and one's called Tides um, for Girls. Who um, They run fantastic initiation weekends for both the, the young people and for their parents to learn how to, you know, treat them in a different way um so yeah Richard you, you're definitely onto something because otherwise we have you know we have grown men who are still boys um you know we have them running countries sometimes um yeah um yeah so there's I, I definitely believe in that initiation I also believe in as you as your children get older or even now extend your village um, so bring elders into your children's lives, bring uncles and aunties into your children's lives, actual or created. Um, when my son was 
a teenager and I felt couldn't talk to me, I thought, who might he be able to talk to? So I went to a friend and I said to him, can you, you know, he, he likes you, you know, you played, you played music together with him. Can you just have a conversation with him that goes like, um, George, if you get in trouble, this is my spare room. Um, I don't even need to know what happens, but you can just turn up here. All that I'll do is let your parents know that you're safe. Um, but, you know, because he might be too proud to tell me, you know, my son. So I think grow, growing your village is very important. Um, yeah, I, I was, when my, when my daughter reached um, puberty, um, I wanted my wife to invite all the aunties around and to have a lunch, you know, when, when she had her first period. And it was, you know, it was kind of, oh, no, that's not going to happen. She does that. It would be embarrassing. And I, for some reason, I just thought it was natural that I should leave the house and all the aunties and grandparents, all, all the women of the village should come and have a celebratory lunch. But, yeah, that didn't happen. But um, these ancient things... I think are called for because they're true. Yeah, I love that. I, I'm aware of the time and that some of our guests have to be in other places. So I would love to kind of get Adam in to speak more on a certain idea, which I hope he's interested in, in talking about. But to follow on from what Travis was saying, I mean, this, this other uh, uh, ritual of having an elder of the village or, or having elders to, not the elderly, but elders, right, to look up to. If we don't, uh, have healthy uh, masculine role models in our own lives at our own ages to look up to then this process gets more tricky it doesn't have to be our literal mothers and fathers etc and what you've said is extending your village somehow what what, what it, it makes sense then that the value to talk about the value of a men's circle because that is where you're going to be able to hopefully bring in other men and, and get close to them and, and they can be that support potentially for you or for your son if if in in some way you know, you're having a disconnect um what do you think about that, Adam? Because I know that you're part of a circle. We all of us are part of circles. And but I'm not a father in a circle. And I think it was one of you spoke to the value of being a father in a circle. But I'd love to kind of deepen that idea a little bit because we're all men. It's a big part of me and Mal's work, and and I know yours as well, Adam and Travis. So, Adam, what, what's the value of being a man, a father? Excuse me, in a men's circle. What can you give, and what can you learn from that? Yeah, uh, great question, Rich. So. <clears throat> we we just moved down to Uluwatu and and the, like I had to start a whole new network and create a new um, community down here and I thought the easiest way and what I was missing a lot was actually circle so I created a circle here a couple of weeks ago and it's been so valuable and, and one of the topics we spoke about a lot actually last week was parenthood and it's just it's so it's so valuable for me to be able to listen to men that are older than me you know like like trav and just to listen to his story about where his children are how he's integrated with them and it's also very inspiring when you do get you know healthy males who have this loving relationship with their their children because it's not something i've ever experienced personally and most of the relationships i see around me honestly are not that um and then what i add as well to to that and what i feel um can benefit you know a couple of guys younger than me or even potentially older than me that want to be parents but you know they're in their their mode of peter pan syndrome or being the the you know the the bachelor it's also inspiring to see for them that you can still have a 
a good, healthy, functional, happy life and be with a woman that you can love because like the role, the role models, like, like I said earlier, they're just, they're not there that it, it's really, you have to, you have to go out and find them. And I feel like that's the big effort is find those role models and make connections with them. So when I meet a, a man that's older than me, who I admire and respect, I, I physically make an effort to get his contact and try and meet him for a, a drink or, you know, a walk or just some way of, of absorbing that wisdom and knowledge. That's not just me watching a documentary or reading a book, a physical connection, like you said, of that osmosis that you said earlier. So I get to absorb his masculinity, his wisdom. Um, and that, that's what I do personally. And I find that's what's helped, helped me a lot being a man at the moment and, and going into fatherhood. That's the most powerful thing for me personally in this entire conversation. I mean, it's all really profound. And I, I really mean that, but on a personal note, how to reach out to older men that you resonate with, just fucking go up to them. <laughs> like they have wisdom to share. Right. And, and there's just such value in that. And how often do we do that? So thank you kindly, sir, for bringing that to my attention and, and no doubt uh, lots of other people's as well. Yeah, absolutely, Rich. And it, it's kind of just something that, because like I said, it's, it's, a, it's a gift that I've been able to travel so much, but I'm always having to create a new community. So it just forces me to be like, right, I like that person. I have no idea how long I'm going to be in the same area as them. So just make, make the freaking effort. Like just make the effort because there, there is so many healthy males out there and people that we can get that inspiration from. But, you know, we have to make that, that effort. Richard, you um, you used a word um, that I, that I really love in, in my own life, and that's ritual. Um, and from a from a fatherhood perspective, I think it's really neat and fun to create your own fathering rituals. Um, like I always made pancakes for the family on a Sunday morning. That's you know, it, it was Dad's pancake day on a Sunday morning um, um, going to particular sports games with my son or with my daughter um, um, you know daddy daughter hot chocolate afternoon after a particular day at school um, or um, father son drive to an ice cream on you know, those sort of um, rituals where um where you connect, um, you know, a few times a week with each individual child or, and it's that special time um, with boys in particular, you know, <laughs> we, they, they communicate better with you and we with them when you're not facing each other. Like if you're driving along in a car somewhere or you're walking along a beach side by side, you know, walking the dog, if that's a ritual, whatever it is, that's, that's you know, conversation will just happen. Um, so yeah, rituals is, is incredibly important. I mean, I do it in my life. I say, you know, what a awakening, alive, enriching rituals to, to help me be a good man, but also what are those rituals around fatherhood and, um, it's time and it's presence. Um, and like most so much of good living, living is is ritual, uh, discipline and routine, isn't it? Bugger. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, gold. Um, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll jump in and give an, a, a little 
experience there, Rich, and then we can we can go into a, a final wrap up. But um, so so there's two points for me. One just with Trav, with what you were talking about, um, you know, that r- rituals and parenting. I think the one of the the biggest joys that I have is my one-on-one time with my daughter as a parent. You know, that's actually the most enriching enriching moments you know and um and yeah for me if i go two or three days without having that one-on-one time i need to create it because that that's where the love really shines through so that's one little thing but in terms of the the circle rich um i completely agree with what adam said and also for me a circle can be a place where um you know sometimes it is the worst job in the world as well it's the hardest hardest job in the world it's most emotionally challenging job in the world being a parent and being in a circle gives me a safe place where i can where i can discharge some of that um that fear some of that anger some of the um sadness you know all that stuff that comes with also being a parent we haven't we haven't really dived into it that much in this phone call but you know that they're very real intense emotions that parenting brings up more so than in any other aspect of my life those those emotions come up and and so a circle gives me a place that i can deal with that and when i don't and i and i then i come home clean i come home to my my wife and we're able to be connected and i can and i'm able to really connect with my daughter and and the circle and so many occasions over the last few years, I, I feel like it's been a lifesaver. It's just, it's, it's, it's pulled me off the edge and it saved my relationship in so many occasions. Um, and I've seen uh, you do that, Mal, right? I've, I've, I've been a witness yeah. to that on several occasions and it's been like, whoa, what was that? And then completely understanding your need to do that and, and that, that is the container for that, for that uh, exact experience. Mm-hmm. So like, thank you again for showing me that that's uh that's exactly what that's there for because we all carry that shit around with us it's not it isn't just parenting right that we will bring stuff with us and that is definitely a place for it to be discharged um but I, I i can think of several examples where you've brought some of that stuff in and it's uh yeah it's it really helps you right <laughs> it helps all of us yeah so thanks for that yeah yeah it does it does and and that and that's where the presence of other men you know holding that container and, and creating the safe place for that to occur is you know, it's just priceless in, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, um, Trav, do you wanna do you wanna say a final piece and then we're gonna do get into the wrap up just to, to final finish off the finish off the call? Um, I've just got one soothing practice for fathers and um, I got involved with Big Buddy because my mate died in his thirties, leaving twin eight year old boys behind. And in a circle of men, one night we were helping Troy, who died. Um, we were helping him. He had resolved everything before he died. He knew he was dying. The one thing he, he didn't resolve was leaving his sons behind. And, and it's left me with a beautiful, soothing practice. And it's this. When you're upset or when you're concerned, when I'm concerned, fearful, worried for my son's or daughter's future, ask myself this. Um, 
tell me about their character and what it is about them that will make, mean that they're going to be okay. So when you think of your children, tell me about their character and what it is about them that means they're going to be okay. And the, the soothing that'll give to your heart um, as, a, as a dad and even as, and as a mum as well is when you're, when you're worried about their behaviour and, and you get, then you go, oh, actually, you go, Maya's courageous, she's strong or, gee, she makes friends easily, she's going to be okay. Um, and I watched my, fem, my friend Troy die with peace because he could, leave, he, he could clearly articulate the character of his eight-year-old boys and why they were going to be okay. Now we see this this character as early as sort of eighteen months to two years old. We they start to show personalities and yeah. So it's it's something I, I share with a number of parents is tell me about your child child and why they will be okay. And you just see the relief and and their hearts soften. So. Wow. That is just such a beautiful little piece to to bring this um, this conversation to close. <laughs> it's got me. I'm almost in tears, Trev. Thank you, man. It's that was just wonderful. So, I just um, I'd like to, Rich, Adam, Trev, if there's anything you'd like to just finish off with um, as a as a final piece. I know I'm done. I'm um, I'm just so grateful for this phone call. And um, it's well. This podcast has been—it's just been amazing. So, uh, Rich, Adam, yeah, thank you, Mel. Um, so, just in in closing, I would like to um, just put it out there to guys that are thinking about becoming a dad, because it wasn't a path that I thought I was going down. As potentially scary or uncharted the territory is it's all so worth it it's the most amazing experience that i've ever embarked on and the growth journey and love that it brings every single day is just amazing even even the challenging moments and i just want to thank all of you guys for the work that you're doing with uh, you know rich and mal your podcast and also you travis all the work that you're doing as well with the big buddy system i mean that just sounds wonderful and um yeah hopefully this will just keep reaching more and more men that we can um all lead in our communities as you know shining examples so yeah just thank you guys yeah there's there's nothing i'm going to try to add to the wisdom that i've experienced and and how much i've been moved um, so thank you kindly I have a small request to anyone listening. If this moved you or impacted you anything close to the way that it has me and Mal, please share this podcast. Please rate it, review it, do the things to help it get out there so it can impact more men and, and just more humans in general. That would be, uh, I'd love you to do that if, if, uh, if, you, if you've been moved in some way. So thank you, Mal, Adam, Travis, and everyone. For listening we will see you all next week thanks guys all the best thank you rich thanks everyone trev adam it's been beautiful from this week's podcast if there's been anything that's inspired you challenged you or simply left you wanting more then please reach out to richie and mal via their facebook page man reimagined just like you we're trying to get a handle on all these issues and topics 
So the more we're able to share and talk about them, I think the better off we're all going to be. Until next time, catch you later.